Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us on today's show. If you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, you should do that. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. As you know, Locked On Blue Devils is a daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the world of Duke athletics. As the month of August nears, so does football season. But for now, we will continue to talk about the NBA season that concluded our year in reviews for Duke and the NBA players. And coming up on today's show, we've got a great one for you. We've got Trey Jones with the Spurs, Ty Jones with the Grizzlies, also talking about our good pal, Gary Trent Jr., the Toronto Raptors. Again, if you haven't done so already, follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free. Wherever. Also, make sure you're following us too. Press that subscribe button. We're trying to up the subscribers on the race to 500 subscribers. That'll be to celebrate once we get to that month. Without further ado, it's time to get after it. Up into today's edition Locked on Blue Devils. And we're back here on Locked on Blue Devils. JJ Jackson here with you and so fired up and excited to be talking with our next guest. Once again, it's Sean Coleman, the host of Locked on Grizzlies. Another NBA season has come to a close and we're continuing our NBA check-ins with former Duke Blue Devils. Sean, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How's your summer been so far, partner? Hey, it's been great. Uh, definitely enjoying the, uh, the, the um, uh, Grizzlies successful season. Definitely enjoying the Braves being reigning uh, uh, World Series champion. So, hey, it's an enjoyable one. Yeah, not much to complain about in your world then, I reckon. That's for sure. Well, look, we talked last year. And, and last year in our conversation, we were talking about way more former Duke Blue Devils uh, than we saw this past season. That was when Grayson Allen and Justice Winslow were there in Memphis teaming up with uh, Tyus Jones, the three of those guys, as Duke fans well remember, won a national championship together back in 2015. It was only Tyus Jones that was a member of the Grizzlies this season. And, uh, man, that guy continues to really play good basketball in that backup role. Talk to me about Tyus this season in the 21-22 campaign that just finished. Absolutely, and, and and it was great to see, and it was very much needed, right? Uh, you know, we saw the breakout season that John Morant had, um, and it was absolutely outstanding. You know, Morant is, you know, his playing style and with his, the body type that he is, he's someone that's a bit injury-prone. And so Tyus Jones, you know, it's hard to remember that even at the age of now, I believe, 26, Tyus Jones has been in the league now for seven full seasons, but with as young as he is, the experience that he's gained, it allows for him to be able to continue to evolve. He had a pretty disappointing 2020-2021 season, but he was able to bounce back last year, stepping up and standing out in a starting role, started 25 games for the Grizzlies. We were 20-5 and in the games that he started, and not only did he continue his historic pace when it came to assist-to-turnover ratio, he also had the best shooting season of his career so far, and then, of course, his leadership. Just overall, just a great asset. Even if our franchise player is John Morant, we arguably have one of the top five one-two combinations at point guard in the NBA, and Tyus Jones is a big reason for that. 
No denying that. I mean, a former first-round pick, as we mentioned, one season playing college basketball for Duke. You cap it off by winning a national championship. The career for Tyus starts with his hometown Minnesota Timberwolves. He is on historic pace with the assist-to-turnover ratio. He just does not turn the basketball over, plain and simple. And now he's getting the opportunity to back up a really electrifying player in John Morant, who is sensational in every sense of the word. The season comes to a close. There's uncertainty certainty about Tyus Jones future but Sean talk to me about what's next for Tyus it seems like he's gotten a new deal with Memphis correct that's correct yeah two years of million with the Grizzlies and you know you you and this is also the offseason where the Grizzlies agreed to a long-term deal with with John Morant they're going to be playing John Morant nearly 40 million per you know over the next five seasons starting after this year so why would they commit 15 million over the next two seasons for Tyus Jones, well, it's because of what Tyus Jones brings. The Grizzlies really value the idea of being able to have 40 to 45 minutes tonight with great four general capabilities in John Morant and Tyus Jones. And also, John Morant's the type of player who you probably only need to play 65 to 70 games a year. You want to invest in him to be your leader in the playoffs where you really want to compete with titles you could step. You could have Tyus Jones step up and support Jaw in that in that way. So the versatility of Tyus is a bench general, and also the ability to step up and start. There's even some capability of them two together. There's a really versatile combination that's really productive for the Grizzlies. So very much worth the investment. Yeah, a big-time deal for Tyus and John Morant himself. You mentioned it. Tyus was 20-5 and five in games that he started the season. And that was a number that was so easy for basketball fans to really remember because that was just the record that John Morant wasn't available and why Memphis was still able to be one of the top teams this past season there in the Western Conference. What do you think it was specifically about Tyus himself, about his game, about his play style, maybe about even the parts around him that despite the fact that John Morant was not in the lineup, the Grizzlies were still able to win basketball games. What about Tyus's game made them able to do that? I think it was just simply the confidence that he had in his combination as a scorer and a facilitator. At times, that was not there last year. It wasn't there when he started out with the Grizzlies. That really started to show from December to March in 2020 before the pandemic hit, and then it really showed last year after Tyus was really able to get a summer under his belt once again under Taylor Jenkins' system. But I think it was just the overall confidence for the first time, for the you know, not necessarily really in his career, but I think for the first time in terms of a long stretch of time, Tyus Jones had confidence in his ability as both a scorer and a facilitator, and he knew that he had the ability to decide between which he wanted to be based off what the game called for. So that overall confidence of having multiple ways to impact the game, I really think added to consistency, and it's what made him an effective basketball player in many different ways. Is there any area in particular that, that continues to need improvement from Tyus? You mentioned the season. He had his best year shooting, which is something that obviously helps to improve on. We're seeing just an increase across the league, across the sport each and every year with the number of three-point shots attempted, and it, it really does appear that in every sense of a jump shooter, Tyus has improved each season. Is there still levels to improve there, or on the defensive end or what's coming to mind when you think about okay we've got this new deal for Tyus Jones to be John Morant's backup how can he take that next step forward well I think really with the way that he could take the next step forward is to show last year is sustainable 
showing that he can shoot around 40% from three, you know, maybe at, you know, two and a half to three threes a game. Showing that he's when he's on the court, the playmaking ability of the Grizzlies' defense is definitely an advantage. Showing that he possibly himself can maybe average a steal a game or something along those lines. To be honest, J.J., there really is not a lot for him to improve on from last year because of how outstanding he was in the role that he's asked to perform in. It's more the ability for him to sustain. If Tyus Jones puts together two straight seasons under this new contract like he did last year, it may, believe it or not, it will be an absolute bargain for the Grizzlies. Without a doubt. I mean, he's such a great player, and hopefully he continues to play well there for Memphis. It seems as though that fan base has really enjoyed him. He's got that Stones nickname that so many people love, and he continues to play so well. Again, Sean Coleman here with us, the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Thanks again for the time today, Sean, and I'm hopeful that uh, we get many more conversations over the years because that means either Tyus Jones or other Duke players are making way there for the Memphis Grizzlies. Thanks again. Forward to it, JJ. Have a great one. All right. That's our buddy Sean Coleman here with us on Locked On Blue Devils. Let's take a quick timeout in today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're here on Locked On Blue Devils today. J.J. Jackson alongside Jeff Garcia. He is the host of Locked On Spurs. And yet again, we're having another conversation. One year ago, we were talking about our guy, Trey mm-hmm. Jones, and he played another season for the San Antonio Spurs this year. I want to review the year. You've already done an amazing episode mm-hmm. on Locked On Spurs of Trey Jones' season review. But we'll mm-hmm. just do a quick summary here for the Blue Devils fans. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Not a problem. Always happy to help. And yeah, Trey Jones, I think he might be looking at a very uh, key season next year. No doubt. I mean, look, things have definitely changed this offseason. DeJounte Mm -hmm. Murray is no longer going to be there for the San Antonio Spurs. We'll hold that for just a little bit. When we spoke last year at this time, it felt like there were glimpses that Mm -hmm. Greg Popovich and that San Antonio Spurs coaching staff saw from Trey Jones, who had a sensational two-year career for Duke. His last year, he's the ACC Player of the Year and the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. This past year, Jeff, just from the outside looking in, it felt like he got way more burn and way more playing time out there Mm -hmm. for the Spurs. Yeah, I think the Spurs are fully invested in Trey Jones moving forward. You know, it's about looking. I'm even wearing Duke blue right now <laughs> on, yeah, on, on the on this uh, Blue Devils uh, podcast. But my point is, is that you know he, you know he got a spike in minutes. Uh, didn't get relegated to the G League, which is good. Uh, got a good playing time, but what really stood out was just how poised he is out on the court. Uh, in the NBA, where a traditionalist point guard is really not the norm you know he is that he's a throwback to the old days of set up guys first look for your shot second 
Um, you know, a lot of things stood out for me. One, his athleticism. I, I didn't know he was that sneaky athletic. Yeah. Uh, you know, really gets, he has hops, can get to the rim, uh, stop on a dime, has great acceleration. We saw this more because he was in the San Antonio uniform and not in an Austin uniform. Now, uh, where he really took off was late season uh, where DeJounte got hurt. He was out for several games. And boy, did Trey Jones step in, really steadied the ship really got the team focused, you know, helped the Spurs at least push into the play-in tournament. As a matter of fact, I got his numbers here just to show you just how big of a jump it is. So in seven games in April, the final month of the season, he was averaging about 29 minutes per game, gave San Antonio 12.3 points per game, 3.7 rebounds. And this is, this is, just, this is just crazy. Seven assists a game. So obviously he is a facilitator. He is that guy that's going to set the guy out. The numbers show it. I mean, that those were his best numbers the entire season. There was a little lull in the in midseason, January, February. January only played nine games, February eight games. But you started seeing more trust in him in March, 14 games played. Started one game in March. Started five games in April. Well, I mean, obviously a large part because DeJounte was out. Uh, are there is there room for improvement? Uh, of course. You know, you know, field goal, he averaged about 50% in the final uh, month of the season for San Antonio. You know, granted, you know, a lot of the shots were really, you know, going to other players. Your Kelvin Johnson, your Devin Vassell, your DeJounte Murray's at the time. But nevertheless, you know, I'd like to see that kind of spike next season. Yeah, three-point shooting, obviously, that's key. Uh, you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, my God, he shot 43% in, in April? Well, he was only taking about two per game. So I like to see those attempts climb up a lot more. But, you know, I think the Spurs really got themselves a jam late in, this, late in the second round when he was picked. Uh, you know, very, um, you know, he's like, a, he just he just reminds me of a pro's pro. Yeah. And even with media, you know, really good with us. I know he, he won't scoff at your questions. He won't roll your his eyes. Uh, you know, I, lo I love I love how he starts every single answer with "Yeah, for sure." Well, I got a kick out of that. <laughs> every single answer was "Yeah, for sure." So it would be, "Hey, Trey, you know, you had seven assists in a game." Yeah, for sure. So then, you know, <laughs> so I, I started noticing that about him. So good with media, good off the court as well. While you know the Spurs are out in, in Las Vegas right now, and you know players are traveling, he's actually stayed in San Antonio for the most part. Uh, I know right now he's in, uh, I believe, in Minnesota uh, with a with a pro am tournament. Yeah. But a, a large part of this, you know, he's been in San Antonio helping out the community, help you know cut the ribbon on a, a brand new uh, public court uh, that the Spurs uh, donated to the city of San Antonio. He was there on hand. He got married, or at least yeah. uh, engaged, I think, or he you know got yes. engaged. Excuse me. So things are really, really looking up for him, but. Next season is going to be interesting because with DeJounte gone, hmm, who can get that starting job? No kidding. Trey Jones, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be a big year for him ahead. It's already been a big year mm -hmm. for him. You look back at the 365 days, he's become a father during that time span. Mm -hmm. He went back to Duke, went back to campus to propose to yeah. his girlfriend, as you said, yeah. and is now engaged in entering that next stage mm -hmm. of life. This year, we saw him take care of the basketball like his brother right. Tyus has done for mm -hmm. Memphis. Tyus Jones, historically, is tops in the league in assist mm -hmm. to turnover ratio. And Trey Jones has been great in that regard 
as yep. well. Tell me about the defensive end of the floor. That's mm-hmm. where, as we said, ACC yeah. defensive player of the year mm-hmm. as a college player. How's the defense been in the NBA? You know, you know, I was really interested to see how that was going to adapt at the pro level because at the pro level, he is considered undersized. Uh-huh. And uh, he is. I mean, I think at times you saw some defenses go at him, especially try to get him on the post. But when he was playing passing lanes, a uh, very instinctive, you know, you were talking about, you know, a guy who averaged at least 1.3 steals in the final month of the season. Um, but again, you defensively, I think the uh, defensive schemes, the mindset, the defense first mentality in San Antonio is helping him. A lot of teams, um, you know, really had issues when he was guarding one of their best perimeter guys. Uh, you know, but I think he just needs more burn. And we saw the numbers on both ends of the court when he did get burned, you know, especially late in the season where the keys were turned over to him uh, to start at the, uh, with DeJounte out. My, my only question is, is that he's just, you know, he can't help his size. You know, is that going to hurt him moving forward uh, in the NBA? You know, look at, look at, look at uh, his teammate, Josh Primo, 19-year-old kid, point guard, but is listed at 6'9". <laughs> so, and still growing. So, you know, and then you draft uh, Malachi Branham, you know, another 6'9", six, 6'8", six, guard, 6'7", guard. You know, is that going to be to the detriment of a Trey Jones? And I, I bring it up, too, because GM Brian Wright for San Antonio has spoken to the media and has told us they're looking for switchable players in their, in the San Antonio rebuild. Trey Jones is not switchable. Yeah, you know, you know, he's not. So those are the concerns I have for him moving forward, whether it be in San Antonio or elsewhere. But that is kind of the buzz right now uh, among the Spurs fan base is is the start starting point guard spot already, you know, Trey Jones is just by default because of DeJounte Murray's uh, trade. Or are they really going to go rebuild and say, OK, Trey, you're backing up a teenager. You know, I don't know how he's going to feel about that. You know, you're, you're going to back up a 19-year-old. Personally, I think he should get, be given the keys to the car to start the season. I think he's earned it. He paid his dues in the G League, the G League bubble, uh, you know, learning and, and, and you know, playing second to DeJounte Murray, filling in admirably for him late in the season. Uh, you know, there, that's, that's kind of the debate right now among the fan base. Trey Jones, Josh Primo, and then you have Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame just tearing up the G League right now. Again, a switchable guard. Uh, Trey Jones is not that. So, you know, it's just, you know, how does he factor into this rebuild in San Antonio when the GM is saying, we want this type of player now, and Jones isn't. But, right. you know, okay, look, you know, I think – He's going to be very important to this team. He is considered a veteran now because the Spurs got younger. You know, they drafted in three 19 years old. They traded away Derek White. They traded away Brent Forbes. They traded away DeJounte Murray. They let Lonnie Walker say bye. So the team just got younger. I think they're the third, as of right now, they're the third youngest team in the NBA, and not by much. I think it's the average like 26.6 years old. And there's, I think the Thunder are like 26 points, uh, you know, four. <laughs> so it, it's a very, it's very young team. And I think Trey Jones and his steady hand, his, you know, g- general on the floor mindset will help this rebuild.
No doubt about that. I think here we are in July looking at next season. you got to be excited about what Trey Jones could be. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure is how we would <laughs> say it for yeah. Trey Jones. Yeah, for sure. He's going to be able yeah, to do sure. this yeah. upcoming season. Let me end with this, Jeff. This past year for Duke basketball, uh, we were able to celebrate the career of Mike Krzyzewski, 42 mm. years as the head coach of Duke, spent many years as the Team USA head coach, led them to three gold mm-hmm. Olympic medals. Uh, and then we saw Greg Popovich get his tour right. as the Team USA coach. Coach Pop is getting up there in age. He's about mm-hmm. four years younger than Mike Krzyzewski himself. Are we getting close to the end of Coach Popovich's mm-hmm. career? Yeah. When you truly think about the titans of the basketball mm-hmm. coaching world, Coach K and Greg Popovich are some of those first names you think of. Yeah, I would throw in there too, J.J. Jackson. I hear you're a pretty good coach too. <laughs> but uh, it all getting aside, uh, I think if you read the tea leaves, I think it's, I think it's obvious that this. I want to say obvious, but it, this, I would lean more towards this could be it for Pop heading into next season. And here are the tea leaves. Okay, one, the team got younger; they're in a rebuild, so he ain't going to be winning championships anytime soon. It'll be a while until the Spurs are maybe a print, just a playoff team. It's going to be a while. You know, you 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 figure Golden State's only going to get stronger. Denver's going to be there. I mean, you could probably list as of right now. You could go Eight through teams. the West. Yeah. Yeah. The West. The Lakers, you know, who knows what they're going to do. But so so there's the uh the the state of the franchise rebuild. Uh they're not going to be winning titles anytime soon. It might be a while. Uh you look at Quinn Snyder just exits and exits uh, Utah, openly says, I'm gonna take a year off. Year off. You know, so then you got Popovich. Could this be his last year? Another tea leaf to read is Brett Brown is back. Brett Brown has been through a rebuild in Philadelphia, the trust the process era. And the Spurs are in the trust the process right now. You know, he's going to be assistant coach to Popovich. Could they just be shaking off the coaching rest for him for a year? And then in the next year, say, okay, Brett, you're part of the family. You were in the family. You're the car, the key uh, keys to the car. Yeah. Uh, you, you just, there's, there's just the age as well the rigors of the NBA uh, season, you know, nobody's going to know when he's going to exit. I mean, I, I, my personally think it'll probably even be last minute kind of decision thing where he'll just spring it on the Spurs. I hope he doesn't. I hope he, if he is planning to leave, he tells them well in advance so they can start their coaching search. Sure. Uh, But I I think that would be the, uh, the biggest nail in the coffin of the Spurs dynasty era. You know, he is the last link and, once he exits, it's uh, yeah, it's going to yeah. be a while before the Spurs get back to that uh, that heights of the NBA. And much like Coach K, Greg Popovich certainly deserves his flowers. Coach K, mm-hmm. let the world know this is my last year. So if Pop decides to do something like that, or at least gives him a heads up beforehand, yeah. he will rightfully get praise mm-hmm. and recognition for what he's been able to do. Quinn Snyder, a name to watch, as you said, a Duke guy in Quinn yep. Snyder. So we're cool with. Duke guys all over the place, and we'll certainly see what this next year looks like for Mm -hmm. Trey Jones. Check out the Locked On Spurs podcast. Jeff, I said it a little bit earlier, but you did a full episode, right, on on what Trey Jones was able to do this past year. Plug it before we let you go. (laughs) Yeah, we did a full Trey Jones, uh, I guess, you know, recap of his last season. I think your fan base and the Blue Devil fans will be happy with the grade we gave them. So All right. uh, check it out at Locked On Spurs. Subscribe everywhere. Wherever you get uh, the Blue Devils podcast, you, the exact same platforms, you, you can get Locked On Spurs. No kidding. You're right about that. Jeff, we'll do this again sometime mm-hmm. next year. Thank you. Great.
No problem. It's Jeff Garcia joining us on Lockdown Blue Devils. All right, and welcome back into Locked On Blue Devils here. JJ Jackson alongside Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors, is now here with us. We're talking all things Duke in the NBA. And Gary Trent Jr. had quite the season this past year for Toronto. Sean, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Always happy to talk about Gary Trent Jr., one of the more fun guys on the Raptors. He's really exciting, both on the court and off the court. Got a career started in Portland and has now moved over to Toronto. Tell me a little bit about what you knew about Gary Trent Jr. Uh, as he was making his way over to join the Raptors. Yeah, honestly, I kind of just knew him from the bubble in sort of like a big mainstream way, right, where he kind of went off there for Portland in the bubble and, you know, always thought he was a pretty interesting player, thought he was, in theory, a pretty good piece around Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, maybe not quite the defender on the wings you maybe want next to those guys, but yeah, he, he was a pretty exciting guy, and when the Raptors traded for him, it was a kind of out of left field. It was very surprising. You know, Norm Powell was on the trade market for sure. I was wondering, are they going to go try to get picks? Are they going to go and try to swing a deal for, you know, a big man or something like that? Because that was an issue that they had with their lineup at the time. This was in the middle of the Tampa Bay season where it was basically a lost year. It was yeah. uh, it was a nightmare. Uh, you know, the team gets COVID in the second half of the season and they win like, I don't know, four games for the rest of the way. And so, yeah, it, I, it caught me off guard. But he had this stretch after he joined the Raptors where it really was one of the only good things that happened to the Raptors that season. He hit like a game-winning buzzer beater against the Wizards. He had a 45-point game. I think he had another 40-point game in there. It was really fun to see him kind of go off, and you're sitting there like, well, Norm Powell was going to be a free agent anyway, and now they've gone and gotten this guy? All right, sign me up, because he was a ton of fun to watch, and I think last year kind of fit into a really nice role it was really effective for the team, and I figure that's going to be kind of a thing that carries forward here as well as, you know, shooting works everywhere, right? And that's the thing he brings more than anything else. He's just an excellent, excellent shooter, and that's something the Raptors desperately need. And so he's a super valuable piece. Yeah, the shot's so fun to look at and just watch, and we saw that in the lone season that he played for the Duke Blue Devils, how terrific he was in the college game. On that same team for Duke, they had Wendell Carter Jr., and Marvin Bagley the third, Grayson mm -hmm. Allen now plays in the NBA. Several NBA guys on that team that were in the starting lineup with Gary Trent Jr. He falls to the second round of the draft where Portland was able to nab him. And now uh, over there in Toronto, the three-point shot is the first thing that jumps off the screen to anybody because he's knocking it down at such a crazy clip. I mean, every time mm -hmm. he shoots it, you feel pretty good about it going in. What else are you seeing in his NBA game? If Duke fans haven't seen him in a little bit, on the offensive end of the floor, what are you seeing from him? First off, a quick note on the shooting as well to kind of build upon what you said. He's so fun to watch because he almost gets better with the more contested he is. <laughs> it is <laughs> it's a delight. He, you know, you can get him for like a wide open corner three and you're like, ah, that might not go in. But if you give him like a late clock three where there's a dude draped all over him, he's probably going to knock it down and it's going to be awesome. There was a time, this didn't end up being the way the season finished, but there was a time last year, kind of midway through, where he actually had a higher percentage per like NBA.com's tracking 
tracking data, a higher percentage of threes made when the closest defender was within three feet than he did on wide open threes. That wow. kind of speaks to how fun he is and just like sort of how brazen he is. He's got that gunner spirit that I love to watch. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, he added some elements to his game last season that were interesting. He's a guy who I don't think is ever going to necessarily be one of these like high octane scoring guards who can kind of carry an offense. I don't think he's a good enough playmaker for that. I don't think he has the sort of three level scoring ability that a guy like say Zach Levine or Devin Booker has because he's just not that great at getting to the rim, but he's kind of found some counters for that. And he has like a wonderful little mid range game that he's got sort of worked into things where it'll swing to him. He'll get run off the line. He'll take a couple dribbles in and he's that is like just as money as his three point game is right now. And if that's all you're going to get from him, that is pretty darn impressive. Beyond that, you know, he had a defensive season last year that I think is a little polarizing. You know, some folks would say he was really good. Some folks would say he was less good, but kind of got a lot of steals and sort of jacked up the numbers that way. I thought he was kind of exactly what the Raptors needed defensively. This is not a team that needs some sort of wing, you know, defensive ringer to can, you know, stay with the best defensive guy or best offensive guy on the other team. They have OG Ananobi for that. They have Pascal Siakam. They have Precious Achua. They have Scotty Barnes. But what Gary Trent Jr. really does that kind of feeds into what the Raptors like to do is he's really good at hunting steals, either, you know, in one on one coverage, poking the ball free or just sort of, you know, being a wizard in the passing lanes, finding you know spots to kind of cut in and, and go for those steals. He gambles a lot. He'll get out of position quite a bit. And that's part of the Gary Trent Jr. experience. But he is a, a huge driver of the Raptors transition game, which last season was really the only way they could score any points. They had a pretty rough court, half court offense at least for most of the season and the extra points that they were able to generate because Gary Trent Jr. was turning guys over all the time were super, super valuable. And he's it's a big reason why, you know, outside of Pascal Siakam, he drove offensive play for the Raptors more effectively than anybody else when he was on the floor. Sean Woodley's here with us. He is the host of Locked On Raptors. We're talking about Gary Trent Jr. and the season he just had. The 2018 NBA draft is when he came into the league. So folks across the NBA have gotten to know Gary Trent Jr. Uh, for his play now at this point. As we sort of transition, I want to talk about Gary Trent Jr. off the floor. The personality mm -hmm. that you're seeing. I know League Fitz is a big fan of some of the outfits <laughs> you're going to see uh, Gary Trent Jr. enter the arena in and that sort of thing. But what has stood out to you, like for Duke people that might not have been able uh, to follow Gary Trent Jr., you got to go across the country border to get up there with Raptors coverage. <laughs> uh, what, what has stood out about uh, Gary Trent and his personality? He's kind of just like a vibes king when he's out there. Everyone seems to love him. The the fits, as you mentioned, are immaculate more often than not. Sometimes puzzling, but like he pulls everything he wears off because he's just kind of got that confidence. It's it's awesome to see. Uh, and, you know, he's not super forthcoming with the media necessarily. Like actually his dad, Gary Trent Sr., who played for the Raptors at a time, has kind of been more of the media star of the two. He's kind of made it his way into the regular rotation of radio guests and stuff like that. It'll come on the the national stations here and you know he's a lot of fun he's very forthcoming and very candid you know Gary Trent Jr. is a little bit more reserved with the media but with the team he seems like like he's having a great time you know when he's not playing he's there doing sideline dances and he, he's there supporting the guys and he's also been uh, heavily featured in a lot of like endorsements that you'll only ever see if you have Canadian cable so apologies but like he he had a thing last year where, where him and Scotty Barnes 
we're in a uh, a Smucker's like a peanut butter and jam commercial essentially for like Smucker's and Jif peanut butter and it, it, that was there were like four or five different editions of that that came out over the course of the season that was super fun it's always like neat because when you're on the Raptors you're doing advertisements for a whole country and like every company is like well there's one of the 14 famous people we can lean on here let's go <laughs> and have you do everything and so that's been a fun thing too again not super forthcoming with the media but ultimately who cares about talking to us like he's really great with the team he's super fun to watch and yeah he, he's been a blast to have around for the last year and a half for sure a vibes king i think is the best way to sum it up i love that, that that's great so looking Absolutely. forward to next season, I mean, what what are you kind of expecting for Gary Trent Jr.? Is this a long-term play potentially for the Toronto Raptors? What does the next basketball year look like? That's a really fascinating question, JJ, because I think it could go a whole bunch of different ways. He has one year left on his deal before he has a player option at the end of next season, and like he's going to want some money. Like You're seeing like Keldon Johnson make... 20 million bucks a year. I think Gary Trent Jr. certainly fancies himself a better player than that. And so, you know, if he has a big year here, that could actually work against the Raptors' chances of keeping him. They have a history of paying their own guys. They're not afraid to go into the tax if they have a really good team on hand. And I don't know right now if they'll think that they're good enough to, to, pay, to pay the tax at this time next season. But if Gary Trent Jr. goes off next year, that probably helps them feel like they're good enough to be a tax team and be comfortable giving him whatever bag he's going to ask for. But the thing with Gary Trent Jr. is that he's like very tradable. He's on like a $17 million contract and the Raptors have been rumored to be after Kevin Durant. And if that comes to fruition, I would assume that right now the Raptors offer to the Nets has Gary Trent Jr. in it. The Nets seem like they're not compelled by any offers they've they've seen, but just based on the money, the youth, and the fact that, you know, you got to give up good stuff to get good stuff, but I don't think the Raptors want to give up Scotty Barnes or even Pascal Siakam to get KD in the door. I do think there's a chance he's a Brooklyn Net next season if the, the Nets cave and say, well, we're not going to get anything else. I guess we just got to take this Gary Tread Jr., OG Ananobi, and all the picks deal from the Raptors that I'm pretty sure would be on the table right now already and will be for the rest of time until he's traded. So... That's interesting. You know, as, as far as his role with the team next year, you know, if you're not familiar with what the Raptors are doing, they're kind of going with what we call Vision 6-9, where other than Trent, Malachi Flynn, and Fred Van Vliet, everyone on the team is between 6-7 and 6-9. Uh, you know, I guess they drafted Christian Coloco, who's 7-1. He's the weirdo on the team. He sticks out <laughs> like a sore thumb now. Um, but, like, their whole thing is everyone on the floor is switchable. Everyone on the floor is uh, able to guard all, every position, play any position on offense. Thad Young is just as much a point guard as, as he is a center, just depending on who he's playing with. And and I think that in a way sort of works a little against Gary Trent Jr.'s fit with the team just because he's not that, right? He's 6'5". He's not this long-rangey defender who's quick and sort of agile and all this stuff. But I do think sort of my dream for the Gary Trent Jr. experience next season, we've talked about how confident he is. We've talked about the shooting. We've talked about the mid-range game. Gary Trent Jr. is meant to be a six-man, man. This guy is meant to be a gunner. He is meant to go and win six-man of the year some, some year. And I would love if the Raptors kind of reoriented their hierarchy a little bit. Went with the starting five of Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and Precious Achua, which would be just a defensive monster and was in short minutes last year. Bring Gary Trent Jr. in off the bench to roll with Chris Boucher and you know Thad Young, Otto Porter Jr., 
And I think you're looking at a guy who can carry that second unit offense against second unit defenses and probably put up pretty comparable numbers to what he had this year as a starter. And all of a sudden, Tyler Hero's looking behind him like, uh-oh, my reign as sixth man of the year is probably in jeopardy because Gary Trent Jr. is there just gun- gunning away like the sixth man I think he was kind of born to be. I love that. Let's speak that into existence. And if it, <laughs> if it ultimately ends up that a trade is in play for Kevin Durant or any superstar and you're included in it, that's always a good thing. It's a good thing exactly. to be wanted. And like you're saying, it seems like uh, Gary Trent Jr. is going to have several teams that want him once this uh, contract comes to a close. Sean, this has been a whole lot of fun. Always great catching in on former Duke Blue Devils and what they're getting up to uh, these days at the NBA. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, JJ. Anytime, man. That's Sean Woodley. Check out Locked On Raptors wherever you get your podcast to watch them on YouTube. This is Locked On Blue Devils. What a fun show this has been. Thanks so much for watching, listening, and supporting Locked On Blue Devils. A lot of fun recapping the NBA seasons for Trey Jones, Tyus Jones, and Gary Trent Jr. My thanks once again to Jeff Garcia, Sean Coleman, and Sean Woodley for joining the conversation today. I think it's so awesome within the Locked On Network that we've got NBA shows that I can chat with from the Duke Blue Devils perspective. These guys playing in college then heading off to the NBA and still getting the opportunity to follow their careers. Make sure that you check out all of the great NBA podcasts that were mentioned throughout today's show. And thanks again for supporting Locked On Blue Devils as always. If you haven't done so already, give me a follow on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Make sure you follow and subscribe for free to Locked On Blue Devils, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube, share the video with your friends. We're trying to get to 500 subscribers. Thanks so much for supporting Locked On Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.